Broadcasting live to the world now, it's Sheila Zelensky. This is a very sinister Luciferian eugenics plan. These spineless weasels preach what people want to hear. They replace repentance with dreams of the good life. Dying daily, taking up your cross, suffering and sacrificing have been superseded with name it and claim it. Sheila Zelensky. Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning into the Sheila Zelensky Show today. I'm glad that you tuned into us. A shout out to everyone over there at Worldwide Christian Radio, Global Star Radio, all our terrestrial stations, and even our backup YouTube channel. We got our big one taken down, but that's not going to stop us. We're going to forge ahead with that and make sure that you turn on the bell and receive notifications on great guests and incredible shows. This ministry and the broadcast are 100% listener supported, no advertising, no interruptions. Everyone that is a partner to this ministry, thank you for your support. And if you're not supporting us, please do come alongside us and support as we do pay our own radio airtime. We've heard from you and we've made some really easy, convenient ways for you to support the ministry. You can go to SheilaZelinsky.com and we have a donate page over there. And while you're there, go to the listen page and click on the big SheilaZelinsky.tv. And that is where we are building the new site with all the shows that we could find that uh, YouTube took down. And so we had made a backup before they pulled it. And we're trying to get all those shows uploaded. And we've put a search feature on there because that's what you requested. So you can put in the name of a guest. If the show does not come up, let us know and we'll make sure that we hunt it down and get it up there as well. Well, listen, I don't want to take any more time. I want to jump right into the program because the man that's on the program today is truly an incredible anointed man of God. I really believe that he is an end time apostle put here for such a time as this. If you have not seen what he is doing in New York and California with his tent meetings, revival is breaking out. It is none other than the amazing Mario Murillo. He is back on the program and I'm very excited. I finished finally, and I've had it since 2019, Vessels of Fire and Glory. Everybody should have that book. For Christians, it should be required reading. And I also want to read a few chapters of his blog. His October 28th blog is incredible. I was amazed. I heard him on Flashpoint on Facebook. He was with Lance and Hank talking about the tipping point. And I'm going to read a couple of paragraphs. So listen to what he says. And you really have to read. I'll link the full blog in the description below on his website. But listen to this. We are at the tipping point, And that is terrible news for Democrats. A majority of our citizens no longer believe the battles between Democrats and Republicans. They believe it is Democrats versus America. This is a game changer. We've lived through too many misfires and inaccurate breakthroughs, which is why I've been very careful not to announce a false victory. This time, victory is within reach, and I believe it will be earth-shaking. The final firewall that Democrats trust to keep them in power is their illegal control of our elections. Money lords such as Bill Gates and Zuckerberg have spent hundreds of millions of dollars to pay for vote counters and voting machines, and every time the media's buried this dirty little secret, that is, they did up until Time magazine slipped up and bragged about how they and others manipulated the results of the last election. The same web of deceit bought and paid for by the Marxist left, that is why... 
we may never see proof of election fraud. I'm going to skip down. On Monday, October 11th, a new survey came out from Rasmussen Reports, and it showed Americans by a whopping 56% believe cheating affected the outcome of the 2020 presidential election. That's huge right there. And listen to this part of the blog. Wow. A growing number of Americans believe Democrats are a threat to freedom, prosperity, and morality. When vast numbers of liberal bloggers, pundits, and YouTube stars share the same concerns as conservatives and Christians, you know that the ground has shifted dramatically. And when you see entire sports stadiums and universities filled with people yelling right to Biden's face, the mock obscenity, let's go Brandon, you know that Americans of all walks of life see him as a fraud. And these are all symptoms of a dramatic change in America. It is an answer to prayer. It is a breakthrough that we must embrace. A majority of Americans no longer believe the battle is between two political parties. They believe it's between Americans and their freedom on one side and the Democrats and their evil agenda on the other side. Wow, that is an amazing blog. Mario, welcome back to the program, Sarah. Pleasure to have you on. Well, Sheila, this is an honor for me. I'm excited about what we're going to talk about today. I think we're going to get some things done that the devil hates and God loves. Amen. Yes, sir. Well, powerful, powerful blog. You've been you've been on fire lately. There's so much going on, incredible things happening. And I'm going to talk about at the end of the show, of course, the upcoming venues in February. But Mario, have you ever in your life seen the culmination of all these reactor rods going off at the same time? And this is truly, this is unbelievable. The absurdity of the hour we're living in where, you know, uh, the left has lost its mind. And there's no doubt in my mind that what we're living in now is it's like 1984, George Orwell. And he said, where they will say that slavery is freedom and freedom is slavery. And people are afraid. They're afraid to digest the intention of the chaos, which is to undermine the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence. And it's amazing to me the apathy of Christian leaders in the face of this. Because years ago, the blowback that I would get is, you shouldn't be speaking up for that. We don't belong in that arena. And now you look at it, still the Christian, the general Christian reaction to it in the upper echelons is to stay out. And there's no adult supervision. And nobody has the capacity to speak to what's going on in the streets like the spirit-filled believer who understands authority over demons, because that's what's fueling all of this. Wow, well said. One of the chapters in your book, this title, it says, before there can be a great awakening, there must be a rude awakening. Well, hello, welcome to where we are now. (laughs) Right. Well, Sheila, isn't it amazing how many things that were considered conspiracy theories just five years ago are now on Main Street? What used to be talked about in the back alleys is now on Main Street. It's in front of us. It's at it. And still, you know, when I I thought about the shutdown, every strip club was shut down overnight. Every pornographic bookstore was shut down overnight. You saw all of the the educational propaganda that couldn't go on because the kids weren't in the classroom. If someone told you that was going on and they didn't tell you why, you would think it was revival. That would be a moral awakening. Only a moral awakening could have closed everything. Now, whether you believe God sent the virus or not, the issue remains he will capitalize on it. He will use it 
But what is really illuminating is that during this entire shutdown, churches were shut down. Many leaders continued to share online the same hollow, sloppy agape, consumerist Christianity that they were always preaching, and they learned absolutely nothing. And it really shows you that the crisis we're in now is because the firewall was removed. The hedges were torn down. The protection had departed from us. And this is what I love about you, is that there's this courage to stand against the tide and to shake off the fear, like there's not very many of us. Look at the onslaught. I mean, the juggernaut of Facebook, Google, YouTube, Twitter, so far left, openly saying we're going to erase and ban every other voice other than ours. According to George Orwell in his book 1984, The Thought Police, it's here. And it's amazing because the book 1984 used to be a cherished tome for the left. And now they're in complete violation of what they used to believe. And they're not even thinking through why that is, because it's demonically inspired. But my point is, is that a few people with God is greater than anything on the earth. There's a power in a remnant to rise up and be bold. And that's exactly what I believe, that the remnant who are listening right now need to know you can't wait for anybody else. You cannot hope and sit there and pray, Lord, let my favorite megachurch pastor come to his senses and start leading the spiritual revolution of America. It's not going to happen. What's got to happen is the people are listening realize that God has chosen me and I'm capable of doing this. You know, as you mentioned, this consumerist Christianity, I remember years ago, Chuck Baldwin was talking about when he first had a 501c3 years ago, and he said, you know, you take the legislation, you take the rules, and, you know, lots of times they would send in a form, they had to fill it out and send, like, are you talking about abortion? Are you talking about this? You know, they'll just shut your church down. After 50 years of ministry, you've seen every float in the parade, as you say, and I agree that one floats lingered way too long. It's the spiritual entitlement, and you go on to say this idea that God is so taken with us that he's overruled his character in order to pamper our little consumer Christianity. Listen, you know, all these guys, it's normally before COVID was feet up on the rail, sipping a latte, listen to a PowerPoint on nothing about Jesus, CEO pastors, move them in, move them out. Leonard Ravenhill and David Wilkerson had a lot to say about those merchandising. Um, Jesus had a yeah. lot to say. He kicked them out of the church with bullwhips. I, I think they'd kick Jesus out of the church today, Mario. Well, and that's really what the Laodicean church was. The Laodicean church is the greatest model of what's going on in America that you will ever find. Because if you take it from the end, verse 20 and 21 of Revelation 3, you have this startling picture of Jesus trying to get back in his church. He's knocking at the door to get back in his own church. Here's the irony. The city of Laodicea was famous for a medicine, a medicinal property in one of the elements in the city that was ISAV. And one of the accusations that God says to the Laodicean church, he said, you know, I wish you would dab your eyes with ISAB that you may see. And you think about it, there is nothing more embarrassing. that you, You talk about God using a local product that they claim to boast of. 
And it's like the, the American church, big screen, skinny jeans, fog machines, which I think should be a great country song. The, the fact is that as we look at the modern church, it said that they were blind, miserable, poor, naked, and think you're in need of nothing. We don't need anything. And I really have, you know, being a soul winner, putting up tent crusades and, you know, you get to a certain point and you've been in ministry for decades that all of a sudden you don't care what anybody thinks. You're just doing what God tells you to do. You're not trying to impress anybody. But when we would deal with ministers and there are many good ones, believe me, there are great men and women of God all across the world who are obeying God and doing everything they can, but they've been squelched by this juggernaut of religion incorporated. But the competition, the territorial thing, one day I was at this lecture and they had several of these pastors together and they were doing a thing on spiritual warfare, which I found odd because none of them were engaged in it. So they said, we want you to do a lecture on territorial spirits. So I got up and I looked at them all and I said, I find it ironic that you want me to get up here and talk about demons and what they're doing when you all are the territorial spirits. You are laboring to not need each other. He said, our coffee, our big screens, our valet parking, our technology, our advancement, we boast of the fact that we are a completely self-contained worship center that has need of no other church in this city, and you say to him, well, let's go win some souls down in the inner city. We, we have everything we need, and what a perfect setup it was. And in a moment, God came and allowed it to be squashed. And what are we going to do now? Now that small bu- 100,000 small businesses were destroyed, when the shutdown happened. So even before anything of these protesters or Antifa did anything to people's businesses, there were 100,000 businesses destroyed, small businesses. And what God, I think, is most trying to impress on us is that we cannot go back and try to relive a day when it was okay to have a lukewarm church, because that day is over. God has rendered it irrelevant. And what the hour is now is the hour of preparation. And the way you know who you are is that you all of a sudden you wake up one morning and you feel like an eagle trapped in a turkey yard. And you want to suddenly spread your wings and fly and say, I don't fit here. I don't belong here. I feel contaminated around you people. And I want to be something for God that I never knew was possible. And that's exactly what I believe is the hour we're in. You know, and the, the sad thing is, Mario, you'll rarely find a message even before COVID on repentance today in the church. And, you know, we talked about this, you know, the trendy preachers with a, a hip website, yeah. a title, a theology degree, and there's no power. The disciples in the early church, they didn't have all these large, massive buildings or Gulfstream jets. They didn't get on TV and beg. They didn't have paid evangelism. But these guys turned the world upside down. They walked in power because they're persuasion was not continuous on their exegesis, but in powerful demonstration of the anointing of the living God. This is a church that's completely forgotten its foundations. And I mean, what did Charles Finney say when, when Satan rules in America? Well, the pulpit is responsible for this. Yes, the pulpit is responsible. And to a large degree, 
I'm at the point in my life, and I think you are as well, where we realize that we cannot even waste another moment trying to sell a lukewarm congregation and pastor on the idea of revival. We have to point our voice to the thousands and perhaps millions who are right now ready, who are shaken to the core saying, God, how do we turn this around? How do we pray in the way that Jesus wants us to pray so that we can turn this nation around and this world around? Because I believe there is a miracle waiting. But I wanted to say one thing about repentance. You know, I was reading Jeremiah 38, and in Jeremiah 38, there's a prophecy contest. It wasn't something Jeremiah wanted to be a part of. He was forced into it. He's brought into the court of the king, and he is told, been told by the Lord to wear a yoke and to put a yoke on, send yokes to the various uh, kings of the regions in order to warn them that God's judgment was coming and that Babylon was going to invade. And that was all there was to it. God had decided to use Babylon. And there was a contention and there was Hananiah who led, a, uh, I would call it a coven of false prophets. And they're both standing before the king to try to persuade him who has the right message. That's the hour we're living in, Sheila. The hour we're living in is where people's eyes, ears, and spirits are being sold on a concept. They're competing for your attention. They're competing for our loyalty. And the message is, you don't have to repent. And the other message is, everyone had better repent. And that precisely was how the line was divided. Hananiah went up and broke the yoke off of Jeremiah, saying, we will not be invaded. In two years, everything's going to be fine. And you remember in, January, in March, there were evangelists on TV rebuking the virus away and saying it'll be gone in a matter of weeks. And they even prophesied a day. And the prophetic has gotten very sickening in many levels, and we got to be very careful. So they kept saying, you know, blessing, prosperity, everything's going to be great. And then none of it panned out. And Jeremiah looked at Hananiah and he said, you broke off a yoke of wood and it'll be replaced by a yoke of steel and said, you're going to, you're going to die. And within a year he was gone. But Matthew Henry in his commentary is looking at this prophetic contest. And he said, what was the one thing that separated these two prophets? That one said a blessing was coming that didn't require repentance, and the other said, you have to repent. And today, let's call it for what it is. Anyone listening to our voice that is sitting under a preacher who is not calling for repentance is deceiving you, and they're setting you up for the worst possible spiritual condition you can be in for what's coming next on the earth. God wants to send revival but he will send it through people that have been purified, that are courageous, that are willing to pay the price to say, God, I will say only what you tell me to say and nothing else. Amen. Amen. That is powerful to really say to God, God, what would you have me do? Each one of us to say that, that is so powerful. Because Mario, as I look around at our ruinous society that is absolutely morphing into pure socialism, and by the way, for you pastors listening, I got a newsflash, Jesus was not a socialist. 
socialism and communism have proved to be the one thing that has crippled economies, impoverished millions, destroyed personal freedom. I mean, move to Venezuela if you like socialism so much. Every single case, it's brought dictators to power, it's sparked wars, it's turned millions of people into refugees fleeing for their life. They scrapped these failed ideologies over in Eastern Europe. The Soviet Union broke up. Socialism is pure, immoral, evil, and disgusting system. It's straight-up tyranny. Yep. Socialism is straight-up tyranny. So how could Jesus be a socialist? And you want to talk about bringing a society to ruin? Well, welcome to socialism, Mario. That's exactly right. And, and here's, the, here's how that works in an, on another level. There's no accountability. If we were to look at socialism, the only way it's ever promulgated and the only way it's ever advanced is, is in an atmosphere without accountability. There is no research to see what it has done in the past. There's no search done to find out if it ever worked. And what's happening is kids are being told to emotionally feel things and to abandon critical thinking whereby they might deduce the right choice or come to a conclusion about why something doesn't make sense. How do I want to topple a statue of George Washington, but I like Margaret Sanger? And you look at it and then look at your heroes, Marxism. So you like Lenin. You like Stalin, who purified Russia and murdered 50 million people. The cadre of slaves that George Washington owned is a drop in a bucket to the infamy that you're willing to embrace because you fought on an emotional level by some bullied professor who hates America and whose mouth waters at the thought that we could overtake the freedoms of this nation and force it into some global world. And who's behind that? I said that, you know, when I started the book, uh, uh, Vessels of Fire and Glory, the first sentence in the book is about how Satan has to destroy America. Yes. He has to do it. Without that, he has no hope of global domination. But that is the key. And that's how it's doing. It's coming through the young. But again, you know, I'm, I think you, you agree with me. We're balancing alarm with positivity and faith that says God with a few can undo the damage of Satan and the uh, propaganda machine that is running 24 hours a day. God is able to build an army in the midst of all of this. You know, there are, there are 17 times, Sheila, in American history where we should have been destroyed. It was, there was no chance for us to survive as a nation. And in each and every one of those settings, and I don't want people to uh, take away the wrong conclusion from that, because I'm, I'm very concerned that we could be destroyed. 17 times God has intervened, uh, and we should have been destroyed, and suddenly we were, we were saved. Donald Trump wasn't supposed to happen. And when I say that God is going to fiercely contend for America, there's one more surprise. There are other wrecking balls waiting in the wings. Some of them may be preachers. And God's voice, God's witness is going to get through. That's why the message of this hour is, are you one of those voices? And if you are, 
let me give you some advice. Don't wait for the approval of the church. Don't wait for the provision of man. Don't wait for the, the door to open. Understand that God himself has chosen you and he's equipping you. And you know, there's not many role models right now because we've never been in this situation before. But there will be a God who's going to roll up his sleeves and fight fiercely for America's survival. I'm excited because I don't know what it's going to look like. I have an outline of it. I have convictions. But in truth, the real deal revival that God has to send is just going to look like nothing we've ever seen. And, and I believe it's coming. And I believe it's going to be violent because it, it has to be. Well said. As you were even talking there, I was reminded of Matthew eleven twelve, and from the days of John the Baptist until now the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Think about that. You know, they tell pastors, oh, just because this pandemic might be winding down, that doesn't mean we won't stop telling you that you can't meet. We're going to dictate to you when you can meet, where you can meet, what you can preach, what you can tell. Get used to less privacy, less rights, less money. You said a phrase years ago, you aren't mooing with the cattle, you are yearning for the battle. You don't relax, you reload. What are you doing during this shutdown, warrior? Are you sitting back waiting for the government to give you money for having your church closed down all this time? No, we got to get prepared for a gallant fight. We're not fighting flesh and blood. And here's the exciting part of it. You know, we know in Acts 2.17, it says in the last days, God says this, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. It reiterates what's talked about in Joel 2.28. I believe God is raising up a very powerful remnant army, something we've never seen before. There's a wonderful book called The Invisible War by Donald Gray Barnhouse. He says, Satan has never been good at unifying. He's always good at dividing, but he's not good at unifying. And the greatest frustration of the devil is that he hasn't been able to bring the nations together. Now, this was written way back in the 40s, 1940s. So you think about 80 years ago, this man is dealing, you know, with how come Satan can't unify governments in the world because of the human nature acts independent. But what is the real issue? What is the real issue? Let's say China, North Korea, Russia, Iran. Why don't they all get together and destroy the world and take over Europe? Why don't they do that? There's enough men in China in their standing army to squash Australia. There's enough standing armies in the world that hate freedom to do it. Why haven't they done it? And it is God, but it is also the deterrent of the American military. You don't want to fight the United States. You do not want to declare war on the United States. It may look like we didn't handle Vietnam right. I get that. But China recognizes that in a head-to-head -head situation, they are at such a grave disadvantage. But what makes the American military strong? And I'll explain something about the left that may, many of people may not know. There is a, a hatred of the military, and there is a hatred of Christianity. And the reason that the American military is hated by the left in America is for the same reason that they resent Israel and they resent Christianity, is because in the military, your color does not matter. In the military, it is based on merit, not on tricks. 
duty, honor, and integrity are essential to the American armed forces. That's not to say they aren't human. That's not to say there isn't corruption. But the fact is, if you say that America's might is in our bombs and in our technology, that's half the story. It's the moral integrity of the American value system in our military. They believe in duty, they believe in sacrifice, and they believe in honor. And that is what makes us strong. If Satan is going to take over the world, he has to get rid of the American military deterrent. How do you do that? You go to the young people and you poison their minds. And you tell them, we got to get rid of law and order. We've got an excuse for getting rid of it. Well, so let's get rid of the police. And we have a picture of what that looks like. It's called Mexico. Mexico is a nation of vigilante armies because they have undermined their police force, is no longer respected. But see, one of the things I say in the book is if you look at the apocalypse or the eschatology of Islam, and then you look at the value system of Marxism and where they intersect, why they're working together. In certain Islamic countries, gays are thrown off of buildings. That's right. And, and women are tortured regularly. And women's rights in some Islamic countries are beyond horrible. But the feminist movement will ignore that, will, dis, will absolutely dismiss it because of the greater good. So what does Marxism and radical Islam share as a value system? They both believe that out of chaos, order will emerge. In the Islamic faith, it, it means, in the radical Islamic faith, it means that their Messiah will appear when the nations are thrown into chaos. Karl Marx believed that you had to have chaos in order for the order of the socialist state that he requires. So they, they have this common bond, and I write about that in the book. So that's why the moral values of the American military are a deterrent. The left has to destroy gender, morality, righteousness, and love of country in order to destroy from within the American resolve and might. That's the target. That's how the enemy's working right now. And it's, it's vast, it's terrible, and that's why God is going to do what you, you had said a moment ago. He's going to pour out his spirit. He's going to pour out his spirit and raise up something different than the Jesus movement. It'll be different. It'll be very bold and in people's face. It'll be hated, but millions will come into it. It'll be a phenomenal outpouring of God. And you know, uh, the amplified version of 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4 and 5 is amazing. We know the part. It says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the tearing down of strongholds. All right, so once you read that verse, you realize that your commuter spirit, Sunday morning, go to church, and the goal is to know that Daddy God is going to take care of everything about you, totally flips. It's gone. It's out the window. Every single gift of the Holy Spirit has one target, strongholds of Satan. You know the book, The Purpose Driven Life, and I'm not going to get into any book bashing, but I'm going to say this. A lot of Christians, the takeaway was, is that God is so fascinated by me that I am to live, to find my own individual identity and purpose. And the fact is, 
that we need to restate that individually, our purpose is tied to Christ. He has the purpose. We have an assignment within his purpose. And what we're doing is, is we're, we're, we're doing this kind of sprucing up and, and interior decorating of our, our self-worth and our value and who am I. And God is trying to help me actualize my personality and figure out who I really am. That's what they say. And that's not true. First John 3, 8, for this purpose was the Son of God revealed that he might destroy the works of the devil. Amen. Every Christian has an assignment within the purpose of Christ. And the question should not be, what do I need to do in my Christian faith to find happiness, fulfillment, and instead to say, what is the commander-in-chief designed for me to do to destroy the works of evil? What am I supposed to be destroying? Destroying sophisticated arguments. And I read that in the Amplified, and I thought, right there, that's the year we're in. The devil has sent to America sophisticated arguments against the Christian faith in America. We have more lies. We have more hidden meanings, double entendres, twisting, redacting, and redoing, and restating, and re-envisioning. And all of a sudden, just like Orwell said, suddenly slavery is freedom, and freedom is slavery. And the Bible says, woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. Well, we're in that. And the Spirit of God is going to give us power to expose those sophisticated arguments against Christianity. Wow, powerful. Very, very good word. Well, in the last part of the show, before I get you to pray, Maria, what would be your message to the people right now? You know, it's, it's been a really rough year. What's important for the body of Christ to know right now? I'm going to say very carefully that there's an old adage that I want to reverse. And we used to say, new level, new devil. And that advice meant that if God promotes you to a new level, you're going to face new demonic power you didn't face in the lower level. I want to flip that. And I want to say it backwards. And I want to say, new devil, new level, which is meaning this. If a satanic assault is come at us, but uh, a youth delinquent goes to a counselor and the counselor is giving him a psychological test. And he said, if a lion jumped through that window, what would you do? And he looked at him and the kid without batting an eye said, I'd raise my rifle and shoot. The therapist looks at him and said, well, where did you get that rifle? And the kid goes, where did you get that lion? And that's the moment we're in. This moment we're in, God saw it coming. God saw you. God saw your heart. God saw that you would have young children, that your business would be affected, that your morals would be challenged, that you would be in the situation, the crisis that you're in right now. God saw it all. And he already budgeted for it. He already prepared. And the word of God says, I has not seen nor ear heard those things that God keeps ready. That's why I want you to filter it out. Filter out everything that's going on around you right now, just for a moment, just long enough to understand this. What God is doing in you is infinitely greater than what's going on around you. Vessels of Fire and Glory, the entire basis of that book is one verse in 2 Timothy Chapter 1, starting at verse 20, in a great house, there are not only vessels of silver and gold, but of wood. It says, some to honor, some to dishonor. The body of Christ is a big house. 
There are many dishonorable vessels. There are many individuals who are influencing us who should not be. There are things going on that should not be happening. And here's the promise of God. It says, but if you separate yourself from these, think about that, the word these. Who is it talking about? That flaky Christian, that compromised believer, that system of faith that was caught flat-footed by all that's going on because it was developing a value system for a world that doesn't exist and it wasn't biblical. Now God is saying this, if you separate yourself from these, you will be a vessel unto honor, meet for the master's use and prepared for every good work. God is going to qualify you to live in the times we're living in. God is going to equip you to live in the times we're living. God's intention is not for you to tread water, get by, and get just enough peace to make it, just enough joy to survive it, just enough wisdom to navigate it. God wants you to thrive. God wants you to do what Daniel 11.32, when God warned him, and he said there'll be an antichrist spirit. Those that are corruptible will be corrupted by flattery, but the people who know their God will be strong and carry out great exploits. And that's who you are, listener. That's who you are. You're that individual who's going to do more than survive, more than get by, more than wring your hands and stay Christian by the skin of your teeth. You're going to be a mighty warrior filled with the gifts of God. You're going to have the ability to not only surmount the depression of this time, but to be filled with Christ to the degree where you exploit it for God's kingdom. You exploit it for God's glory. I really believe the Lord is saying, hang on just a little bit longer because I am going to flip the script. I'm going to turn the tables. I'm going to create the advantage that you need. When Nebuchadnezzar called Daniel to his presence, Daniel was the nobody and the king was the almighty powerful God. The problem was God gave him a nightmare and he went through his list of all his soothsayers, astrologers, and magicians, and came down to this Jewish young man. And he was the only one that had the key. And suddenly, from the bottom of the culture to the top, that's what's going to happen to the righteous. That's why I don't want to be a flattering preacher. I don't want to be an individual that speaks in order to gain more for his career. I'd rather do what Daniel did, get alone with God three times a day and understand that relevance is something God does. He works both sides of the streets, folks. He will give a king a nightmare at the same exact moment that he gives you a prophetic word and an interpretation of that nightmare. And that, Sheila, is what's burning in me. That's the passion that I have. When I wrote Vessels of Fire and Glory, I knew that God was telling me, don't write a book for what's going on now. Write a book for what's going to happen next and the breed of person that will be perfect for that situation. That was profound and very anointed what you just said. And I'd like to let that one ruminate. That was very powerful what you just said. And speaking of powerful in the last part of the show, Mario, please do pray for the listeners. Father, heal bodies. If people are under demonic oppression, we rebuke it in the name of Jesus. If there are marriages on the brink of disaster, Lord, bring them back from the cliff and give them a fresh, fiery, romantic love for each other. If anyone does not know you that is listening right now, let them be saved. Let them, Lord, awaken 
and leave the corruption and destruction of this era. But most of all, Lord, I want to speak to the army of God. Lord, I pray for every man, woman, boy, and girl within the sound of my voice that today they will be filled with hope, filled with fire, filled with direction, and filled with the absolute authority over all the works of evil. And I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So powerful. Very quickly, I really want to encourage people to get Vessels of Fire and Glory and even that bundle that you have. Maybe there's new listeners that don't know how to find your handiwork. What's the best place to find all of that? They just need to go to mariomarillo.org, mariomarillo.org, and they'll get a signed copy with free shipping. It's $15 for the book, but that's the offer we'll make. In fact, right now, we sent you one of the war chests. We're raising money to win souls, so three of my best-selling books are offered for $27 as a set. Thank you for letting me share that with people because it's really a win-win situation. Yes, sir. I highly recommend that bundle together. Folks, I've got the information below. Go check out what has happened in Batavia, all over California. The revival breaking out, incredible testimonies. I've got a bunch of information linked there. You know, folks, get involved. Volunteer to help out in these revivals, especially Mario's looking for a thousand volunteers for February. Check all that information over there at mariomorello.org and it's linked in the description below. Thank you so much for coming on, Mario. You are truly one of my favorite men out there taking a staunch, bold approach. Thank you so much for what you do, sir. And I do hope you come back and see us again real soon. Yes, I'd love to. And you keep going, young lady. You're filled (laughs) with the fire of God. And don't let anybody discourage you. (laughs) Thanks for that, Mario. Folks, that was Mario Murillo from Mario Murillo Ministries. The information is linked down in the description below, mariomarillo.org. Again, I really, really encourage people to get behind his ministry, so into this very important soul-winning tent revival. Again, you've got to go back and go watch some of the videos of what is happening. Some of the testimonies coming out of New York and all over California. I really, really want people to lift up this ministry in your prayers Really be praying for him. He's taken a very bold stance and just an incredible man of God. Do yourself a favor as well in the interim and go get yourself a copy of a book that Mario wrote in 2019. I just picked it up and refinished it. It's called Vessels of Fire and Glory. I highly recommend that. Thank you so much for tuning into the program tonight. We'll see you real soon. Good night and God bless you.